0: Welcome to What's That About With... Joel. And Tina.
1: Hello. Welcome back. Yes. We are
0: still in First Peter. We're in Chapter 4 this week, and mm-hmm. um, we're doing 1 through 11. Eleven. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen that <laughs> that video. The Scotchman uh, in the elevator trying to get the voice recognition to talk. <laughs> Which floor would you like? 11. 11. 11. Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of the funniest videos I've ever seen. I'll, uh, I'll share it along with the podcast. Oh my goodness. <laughs> 11. Yeah, well,
1: the joke is, of course, that the voice activated software does not understand Scotsman.
0: Well, especially not when they say 11. 11. Eleven.
1: <laughs> it really is very funny. But that's not today. Today, we're looking at 1 Peter 4 1 through 11. 11. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: All right, well, I'm reading from the NIV, and uh, I'll read for a little while, and then when I think I should stop so we could talk about something, I will. Yeah. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans chose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless and wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel is preached, even to those who are now dead. So that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. Hmm. I probably could have stopped after the first verse. Well. Yeah. So it's kind of this intriguing thing of, um, you know, at this point, there was no such thing as, oh, I was, you know, raised a Christian.
1: Ah, it hadn't happened yet,
0: right? There was no sense of well, my great grandpappy was a Christian. My my,
1: my great grandpappy
0: and <laughs> his grandpappy before him, right? None <laughs> of that had existed. There wasn't this sense of Christians who were Christians because everybody it even was in the new. culture. Everybody was new. Everybody had had yeah. this this life beforehand, yeah, and then they came to Christ. Like everybody came to Christ as. And when Basically that happened, an adult.
1: people were acting different. Yeah, and, 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 you know, it's just kind of this interesting thing that that Peter is pointing out here. He says, you know. You, you have spent time in the past living a certain way and you're different and people want to know why. Like, why aren't you doing this anymore? Right. What's going on with that? They're well, surprised you, you do not join them and they heap abuse on you.
0: Well, and this still wow. happens today. Wow. The, the, when Christians who are adults mm-hmm. come to Christ, mm-hmm. um, they still struggle with the same thing. That mm. um, That the, there's a sense of and I, I think it's worse when you were a kid and you mm-hmm. were wild mm-hmm. and crazy mm-hmm. and people will say, oh, you know, what happened to you? You used to be so much fun. And mm-hmm. and now... And that's
1: a form of abuse right there. You used to be fun. You know, yeah.
0: Which I think is unfortunate mm-hmm. because the, the most fun I've ever had is... Been with Christians, yeah, um, with yeah. or without drink. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that, right. That it's it's always been one of those things that you can have fun. It doesn't have hmm. to involve inserting things into your your mouth like an alcohol or drugs or whatever. it may Yeah. Be.
1: One time, I, I uh, was with a, a bunch of friends in uh, college, uh, back in Seattle, and we were a bunch of youth leaders, and every once in a while, the the the, uh, the leaders who were paid, who would, would take out those of us who were just volunteers, and we'd go to a restaurant, and the leaders would, would get us Coke and fries, and if we wanted anything, more, anything else, we had to pay for it. And I remember one time, we are in this restaurant that we'd gone to many times before, and you know it was basically coke and fries is all we had and we were having so much fun we got kicked out of the restaurant.
0: Oh, that's I mean good. we
1: were we were just we were laughing and enjoying the time together and we were too rowdy. <laughs> and <laughs> so you know it just it, it absolutely can't happen. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, here we have this, this really interesting thing here that I think that, that Peter is pointing out here. Well, one of the things that jumps out at me at, at the beginning is here at the end of verse 2. It says, um, to live rather for the will of God. To not live uh, earthly lives for human desires, but the will of God. So, I mean, that's, that's always a big question I get um, f- from people at the church. You know, what is the will of God? You know, how, how do we figure that out? And I know, you know, Tina, you've said it for a long time, uh, one thing that we know for sure, the will of God, is uh, that, that God loves us. And um, to live our life based on that knowing, based on that understanding. And I think that's a really great place to start. That if we start with, in our minds, to know that God loves us, and how that has uh, come through Christ. We, we know God loves us because Christ was sent to us. And so love is this action word. It, it doesn't, it's not just something that God says to us. It's something that God does for us. And so if God's will is for us to know that and then to remember that in the way that we act, you know, that's really significant. That, that, it, that we are to really orient our lives around this understanding that, that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Uh, Not to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. And what if we really did look at our lives like that? That we tried to live a life based off of God's love, not on our own desires. Um, I don't always do that. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. I don't always do that. But when I think about God's will like that, I recognize how important it is to try.
0: Well, I think that it can be really easy to get caught up in this idea that God's will is a singular trajectory. Mm. That in order for me to be in God's will, and okay. I have my finger quotes since you can't see them. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, that In order to be in God's will, yeah. that means that I have to do a very specific, there's those things again, uh, a very specific thing mm-hmm. in order to be in God's will. And the truth is, is that God's will is broad in yeah. the sense of service to God can take many forms and that it's not always a matter of, oh, you know, I I'm, i don't know what God's will is. Well, that's not true. We know that God wants us to love one another, like to Absolutely. love our neighbors as ourselves. Right. And if you can start there and get to the end of that and then be like, <laughs> okay, now, now what? <laughs> I think that you could probably start back over <laughs> because the truth is, is that if you just focused on loving your neighbor, yeah. you would know that that's in God's will.
1: Absolutely. And
0: that it's an uncompletable job. Because that... there's
1: always a neighbor that needs to be loved.
0: Right. And so sometimes I think we get caught up in this idea of not what is God's will, because that's clear. God's will is that we love the Lord our God and we love our neighbor as ourself. Right. I think we get caught up in this idea of... but. How does my passion meet that need? Right, and and we're unwilling to be wrong about it. Mm. You know, there's it's kind of this crazy thing that, so let's say you're loving your neighbor, and it turns out that that's not the specific neighbor you should be helping. It should be another neighbor that you should be helping. Well, that's not. Wrong, that's just a different, like it's just a different turn or a different facet. It's, it's one of those things that you can be productive while you're waiting on a word from the Lord. And that productivity looks a lot like loving your neighbor.
1: Which means, of course, that there are things that we can then point out and recognize that are not God's will for us. They are things that are self-serving, self-seeking. You know, where we put ourselves in the middle of something then that's not seeking God's will. You look at these things that that Peter lists as self-service, he says, debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, detestable idolatry. Those are all things that at the center, it's you. It's what you want to do. And if you put yourself at the center, where is God going to be? And it's just kind of this natural question. That God's not going to battle with us. God's not going to say, "Hey, I demand to be in the middle of your life." God's going to say to us, "Okay, look, if you want to put yourself in the middle, well that's that's what you're going to do, but you got to recognize that you can't serve me if you're going to put yourself in the middle." And I think that's that's kind of this battle that that we go through. Uh, this battle of this physical self and this spiritual self, this this you know, this understanding that we have physical needs and this understanding that we're meant to serve God. And, you know, especially as Christians, you know, it's, it's this journey of what it means to discover, to have God truly in the middle of our lives and how God will take care of our needs.
0: Reminds me a lot of this image that I've been thinking of lately of, of an anchor and a boat, Hmm. you know, what is your anchor? And how long is the chain between the anchor (laughs) and the boat? You know, that the longer the chain, so like, even if your anchor is God, yeah. the more slack you give yourself, mm-hmm. the more jerked around you're going to be <laughs> Sure. and and the less off center you're going to be and from where you want to be. And, and I think that, mm. you know, the truth is, is that we need to be anchored into God. We need to be closely anchored, not like this long, oh yes, God's my anchor and, and he's over there and yeah. I'm over here and I'm doing what he wants me to do. Yeah. But not really, because you're yeah. just so far away, even though you're connected. And, it, you know, I, I think that sometimes what you were talking about is that God actually isn't the anchor. You know, when we we look at these things of debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, um, carousing, carousing. I'd like to see what this says in the message, actually, if you could look that up. Sure. So um, the, those things aren't actually anchored to God those things are anchored to our own physical pleasures. Mm-hmm. They're anchored to our own physical desires. And, and I think that that is one of those things that makes a huge difference is, you know, are you in it to keep yourself centered or to be God-centered?
1: It says, uh, you've already put in your time in that God-ignorant way of life, partying night after night. A drunken and prolificate life.
0: That's it. You kind of cleaned it up.
1: He did clean it up. (laughs) Now it's time to be done with it for good.
0: Well, that's good. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. Huh. Hmm. So I, I think that this other, like moving on to verse 7, yeah if that's okay. Yes. Yeah. So in verse 7, I think this is something we've also always struggled with is, you know, if we're centered in God, isn't he coming back? Hmm. And, you know, here's Peter saying, the end of all things is near. Be alert, sober mind, so that you may, what does he say? So that you may pray. pray. Not so that you may, you know, party or so that you may go on mission trips or so that you may mm. you know, do it. Like, the thing that he wants you to be alert, alert and ser- sober for is to pray. Pray.
1: It is interesting that he's saying that.
0: Yeah, that that, that is, is one of the most important things for him is that prayer. And, you know, the things that we see of Peter, the revelations that he's had have happened during Prayer. Sure, right. The, the times right. that Jesus yeah. has and God have talked to him after the yeah. resurrection have been in prayer. He, he
1: has this great vision on the rooftop. Right. Where this man from Antioch comes and begs him.
0: Well, was, that's a really funny instance because Peter's like, like the food comes down, and yeah. it's all the stuff Peter's never eaten. Yeah. Lord, I've never, never eaten that. I've no, never,
1: never. And, and
0: it's so funny. It's like God told you you could eat it, and you're like, oh no. Mm mm. I don't need
1: that. You told me
0: not to before. I know you're saying to now. but
1: Uh, In the message, it says, stay wide awake in prayer.
0: Huh.
1: But, you know, so we have this idea that, you know, sometimes we we think about our prayer life and and we, you know, sometimes use it as a throwaway thing or use it when we are in despair or we use it in really specific times. Um, But um you know prayer isn't always something that we turn to for the first you know the first thing yeah.
0: we well, might turn I think that we also don't treat prayer as the most powerful and useful thing that we can do like mm-hmm. it I think it's often treated as this sense of oh thank you for thinking good thoughts about me that's not what prayer is at all prayer is the most powerful thing that a christian can do it is the most useful thing in any situation mm-hmm. that someone of faith can do. Yeah. And and I think yeah. that we don't we don't believe that and we don't treat it that way and we don't ask for it in that way. Yeah. It, it's just one of those things. It's like, oh, thank you for praying for me. It's very nice. It of you. reminds
1: me of a uh, Jim Cymbalta's book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. At mm-hmm. uh, the Brooklyn Tabernacle uh, Church there, and of course Brooklyn and. You know, he talked about that at the beginning of his book. You know, how how did they grow their church so from, big?
0: From like this little from like
1: this huge struggle.
0: Right. I think there was basically like five people yeah. and one of them was there to steal what was in the collection plate. Right. I'm not, I'm not don't quote me on that, but that's kind of the yeah. concept of it. And he
1: says, What was it? It was prayer. It was it was the church dedicated themselves to prayer. Right. To pray for God's will, to pray for whatever they need to be praying for. And, and he really, I mean, you, you read his book and it's a powerful reminder to us of when people of faith dedicate themselves to prayer, what God does with that.
0: Right. He's one of the largest, uh, like his big thing is the health of a church is measured by the health of its prayer group. Yeah. Not the worship yeah. service, not yeah. the, the, and, the yeah. monetary giving. Right. It's right. by how many people do you right. have coming to the right. prayer service?
1: And if you think about it, that's a great measurement because prayer isn't something that is tangible. It's not something that's measurable in terms of what we receive from it. It's not in our control. It's, it's not something that we even enjoy necessarily. And it's not for us. It's not about us. You know, often you know, we can take worship and worship even though we want to dedicate it to God, it kind of is about us.
0: It's about our preferences. Yeah. And
1: and, and tithing or giving can be that same thing Whereas, like, okay, I'll give of my money to help a program or to help the church. And we're a part of that, but when it comes to prayer, how do you measure that? How do you dedicate yourself to that? You really got to have great faith in God to dedicate yourself to um, a season of prayer.
0: Well, especially if you're praying for something that you may never see come to fruition. You know, the, the, there are so many prayers that have yeah. been prayed in the world that yeah. the person who prayed them yeah. did not see them. You know, i yeah. think thinking about this story that we saw on the news tonight of this woman whose older brother had gone off to war and she had...
1: Seventy-two years ago.
0: Yeah, seventy-two years ago, she had made this promise to her mother that she would find him, and bring him back. And her mother had passed away, so she'd never like, like once her mother had passed away, that promise becomes moot. And but at the same time, she continued on, mm-hmm. and it became answered, and her brother was buried in Texas. Um, and it, you know, yeah. and I think that that's that's a model of what happens with us in prayer that. Sometimes we pray for people and we pray for things and we don't get to see them happen in our life, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to happen. Yeah. You know, that it's, it's always one of those amazing things that God's taking yesterday's prayers and answering them with tomorrow's actions. And it's it's really, prayer is not linear to Him. He yeah. he already knows. Like when when we go and we pray for something, he's already had it in the works as far mm-hmm. as what needed to happen. Yeah, yeah.
1: Let's take a look at eight, uh, nine, and ten, really, okay. to that end. You know, we have this these these great um, admonitions that uh, Peter is giving us: love each other deeply, offer hospitality to one another, whatever gift you use. Use it to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace.
0: It's like that thing that, you know, the tree does not benefit from bearing fruit.
1: Right. (laughs) Yes. A tree that grows fruit, the fruit...
0: Isn't for the tree. Isn't for the tree. No, the fruit is not for the tree. Right. And I think we often forget that, that, that... the fruit isn't for us. The fruit of the spirit that we produce isn't for our own benefit. Yeah. It's for the benefit of others. Right. And, and that's exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. That deep love, um over, love that covers over sins, hospitality without grumbling, um using your gifts to serve others. That is all about not yourself. And and that's kind of the theme of this yeah. particular part. It's not about you. Right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's about the relationships that you have within the community. You know, and, and I think, what, especially verse 8, it's not that we have the power to forgive sin, but the truth that, that I think Peter's revealing to us, that if we have a choice, we have a choice when it comes to those who hurt us. We have a choice when it comes to those who cause us pain. And we can either hold on to that pain, or we can choose to forgive them and love them. And he's saying that love, the kind of love that God gives us. So this is agape love. This is not friendship love. This is like full-on God love.
0: This is not I love Coca-Cola love. (laughs) No,
1: no. This is God's love, which, which is a pure, selfless, giving, holy love. That love is so good that it will cover even sins against ourselves. It will cover them. And this word cover, it should remind us of what Christ does for us. I mean, that's one of the great hopes of the gospel is that when Christ died for us, his love for us through the action of the cross covers our sin as well. So there's this great you know, theme that, that Peter is echoing here on earth. What Christ does in heaven for us, we can do for one another in the name of Christ.
0: Which is really an amazing thing, that God allows us to mimic what he does and gives us the power to create that likeness.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That that there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of Christ figures wandering the world, living out lives in the same way that christ did. that's who we can be and it's hard for us to remember that that wasn't the case (laughs) that has not always been the case you know and and it's it's gonna get worse before it gets better you know when i think about this idea of the, the end of all things is near that it is gonna get worse before it gets better and we're not near worse as bad as worse as can get I don't uh, even know if that's a word. No.
1: But this but this kind of love, you know, covering a multitude of sins and us being that people that God calls us to be, you know, reminds us it brings me back to the sermon on the mountain in Matthew 5 where Jesus says you're a city on a hill, let your light shine. You should not put your light under a basket, but you should let it shine. You know, this idea that if you're lost in the wilderness, um, and you see a little light on a hill, that can give you all the direction you need to to find home. And here we have this, uh, this understanding um, that, that we can be that light. We can be that love. We can be those hospitable people. And imagine what God does through us well, when we do those things in the name of
0: God. That's exactly what he talks about in 11. If anyone serves, mm-hmm. those should do so with the strength of God provides. Yeah. That you serve with the strength of God so that in all things, God may be praised <laughs> through Jesus Christ. that oh, that's the, so good. The reason why God wants us to tap into his powers, because A, it's more powerful than anything we could ever come up with or sustain.
1: Absolutely. And
0: B, it leads to more praise for him. You know, it all comes back to, I am a jealous God. <laughs> I like it when people praise me is kind of what God is saying. that, And and that he is giving us the ability to increase that praise by yeah. Yeah. tapping into mm-hmm. his power and using it to mm-hmm. serve others. And it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be back to that whole beginning thing. Mm-hmm. It's not about the big, oh, I've got to go and move to a third world country and sell all of my stuff and spend all my days wiping kid's noses and feeding gruel and giving people vitamin uh, A shots smiling
1: smiling at it's about a lonely person it's It's... about
0: loving your physical neighbor next door (laughs) yeah it's about being loving towards people that you encounter it's about using your gifts that you've been given and serving others with them
1: to understand where you've been blessed so that you can be a blessing
0: And and maybe that's really what people are asking when they say, "I don't know the will of God." What they're really saying is, "I don't know how He's blessed me. Hmm. I don't Hmm. know what gifts God's given me." So, I think within that note, Mm -hmm. that may be the challenge for this week. Is sure, you know, there are tons and tons of of quizzes out there that will help you find your spiritual gifts. But I would say if you don't know and you know us, give us a call, give us an email, and we will set up a time to chat about it. Because that is an important thing, to know what your gifts are.
1: Set you on the right road.
0: Yep. All right. Well, you guys have a great week. Yeah. We will uh, see you soon. If you want to leave us a question, you can find us online at (laughs) www.joelantinatalk.com. Bye.